Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, what up, what up, what up, everybody? This is a new episode <laughs> and might as well be a new season to Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. Come on, it is. We're so excited and it really is a new season of the Keep It 100. We're changing everything. Come on, we are changing everything. Everybody, we are going to a new format yep. where we are just going to come off the cuff more. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. We uh, Not that we were overly scripted, but we definitely, I'm not going to lie, we had a script in the past and it was purposeful. It yeah. served its purpose, but but now we just feel like we just want to start on a conversation and just see what comes out. Yeah, I just think, I know, I think it's kind of evolved. I think uh, the pre- previous couple years have been really purposeful. We felt like the Lord initially had us start the Keep It 100 podcast with the intention to disciple and equip people. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to keep doing that. But I do think uh, we're shifting into conversations. We're shifting into just kind of more sharing our hearts in the moment of what we believe God's saying. So we pray it really blesses you. And we're really excited to see what God continues to do through the Keep It 100 tribe and podcast. So mark it down, everybody. This is officially the launching of our new format. And uh, hey, let us know how you like it, how it touches you. And if there's some conversations you want us to hit on, please feel free to either email us or make comments as you comment on either iTunes or whatever uh, platform that you listen to podcasts. There's places for you to leave comments and we would love that. Yeah. And you can always reach out to us on social media, uh, Rev Sean Smith at Instagram, Mrs. Krista Smith on Instagram. Reach out to us, DM us. We do check our DMs for the most part. And so we'd love to get your feedback because we really want to have conversations that are going to help and inspire, but also transform you. Yes. So this episode, we're talking about momentum, no cap recap. (laughs) And uh, part of this is uh, many of you probably know if you listen to our our podcast with any type of regularity that we just recently had our Momentum 2023 conference. Krista and I had thrown a prophetic masterclass, but this was our first major conference, not a conference. Yeah. Uh, You would understand that inside joke if you've been listening. And this was a major step of faith for us. We really swung for the fences, right? You know what? If I really wish you guys could have gotten a front row seat to kind of the journey that God took us on to even do this because it really was outside our wheelhouse. Like Sean said, we hadn't done a conference on this scale and at this measure. And so when the Lord said, bring the prophets to the bay and open up the gates for revival. And then in addition to that, he said, swing for the fences. And so we did. But when you swing for the fences, it's like fun when you first swing the bat, but then you like watch it go and you're like, okay, is anyone going to show up? How are these bills going to get paid? You know, are people really going to be impacted? We believe we have the word of the Lord, but it's this whole journey of trusting God when he puts a vision in your heart. And I think this is good for some people to hear this today. I agree. I think somebody out there, God is speaking to you about taking some risks. Yeah. You know, the thing about playing it safe is that you do recognize that there's a comfort and there's predictable results. But we really have come into a season where the predictable results are not going to cut it any longer. That's right. We need God to show up and show off and do the unprecedented to do something greater than we thought. I mean, you know, we've had unprecedented crisis. We've had unprecedented financial inflation. We've had unprecedented divisions. So why can't we have an unprecedented move of God? Well, the thing that always triggers that is someone has to step out. You know, 
know, in my session, I was talking about uh, every great movement, whether it was sociological, political, governmental, or spiritual, they all had one thing in common. Somebody stepped out. So I just kind of, I think we came to a point, first of all, we just said, you know, we can continually talk about this. We can continually dream about it. But at some point down the line, you got to put legs to your dream. So true. And somebody, God's speaking to somebody about your entrepreneur idea, your thing that you want to do for the kingdom, the shift and change you want to see in your family, the conversation that you need to have that seems like a, a tough conversation. You got to take a risk because risk is what, it, it, it falls into as a purpose. It's the fulcrum that moves the promises of God to become yes to your amen. I tell you what, I think that's so key because I think in a world where there is so much cancel culture, sometimes we cancel ourselves. And I think Ooh. I think there's really that powerful, when you ha- powerful moment when you had with God where you're like, you know what, I'm really tired of dreaming about it, talking about it, but I actually want to live it. And I think that's what you and I, we got to that point, as you said. And I think what also helped kind of push us to that place is we were traveling and seeing God move all over America. And we're seeing these like, like phenomenal moves and touches of God and these services or whatnot. And we come back to the Bay and we're just like, God put us here. And when everyone left or a lot of people left, amazing men and women of God, and they're not wrong for leaving. God called them elsewhere, right? But so many people left California. You and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, hey, there's a remnant still here. There's a remnant that's still like fiery and on fire for God. And we just made a decision, which I think some of you have to make that decision for where you are and where God has placed you of like, I'm not just satisfied with seeing it elsewhere. Like I want to see it in our home and I want to see it in our area. And so I think that us kind of taking this plunge was such an awesome, awesome journey of faith. But I think it's also to model like when you hear the word of the Lord, you walk out on it. He does exceedingly and abundantly. And we're going to tell you about the exceedingly. And we're going to give you some testimonies about the abundantly. Because let me tell you, friends, he moved extravagantly. But when you have the word of the Lord and you walk out on it, he will meet you. He really will meet you in those swing for the fences God moments. You know, Tommy Ariomi, who was one of our speakers and ministers at our conference, and he said something so profound in his teaching. And I I was having a conversation with one of our gals in the office about this. Uh, He says, uh, before I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb. And he just stopped on that revelation that God knew you before he even formed you. We think of us as that baby that came out of the womb and all the different stuff and the childhood we had and who we've become and our personalities. But he was saying, God knew you before he even formed you. So the question remains, what did God know about you before he formed you that you have yet to discover about yourself? Mm. Well, I'm convinced you don't get there by playing it safe. Mm. That that person that God knew before he formed comes out when you step into his realm and his realm is a realm of faith. His realm is a realm of stepping out. And that's what I feel like we did. And you know what? God meets you when you step out. There's something about that. One of the things that I really kind of was thinking about was just some of the testimonies of momentum. And I just, we just want to see this in a way that would uh, build your faith up for where you're standing, where you're at, what you're believing for. We had different people come. We had a dear friend of ours that received a healing in her body. Yeah. And it was such a way that it, there was kind of a, with a prolonged chronic struggle with a health issue. And it was so cool that during worship, God touched her and she immediately felt in her body, just the healing of that conditional symptoms and everything else. And that, that was one of multiple healing testimonies that we heard. You know, I think one of the things that really struck me is, you know, when like the Lord gives you a word and a lot of people listening will relate to this, God gives you a word, but you actually don't know how it's going to become reality or how it's, it's going to manifest itself. But the Lord kept having us make the statement, it's a conference, but it's not a conference. And we called it a conference because that's the only verbiage that people really understand. Like, hey, we're going to gather, we're going to believe for the more God, you know, all that kind of, that sort of thing. But we knew it wasn't a conference in the traditional sense. It wasn't something that like you had been to before. So everyone's going to come with a 
conference mentality, but we're like, it's not a conference, but we're like trying to get people to gather. So you can't redefine something while you're trying to gather people, right? You can redefine post momentum because now when it's, we are going to put out the, that call to people say, Hey, come to momentum. They're going to know the ones that have been there, right? That they're going to know, Oh, it's not a conference, right? It's, it really is. It's a corporate encounter. And that's really what happened. I think for me, baby was we kept saying that, but then it actually happened that it felt like this sovereign outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God was so tangible and so thick. The freedom, the joy, the hope in the room, it truly, because the glory was in the room, felt like anything was possible. People were getting physically healed, delivered, set free, encountering Jesus, generational curses broken in one moment. We've gotten so many radical testimonies because of the presence of God. It wasn't a person. It was God. It wasn't, let me, let me phrase that better. It wasn't a speaker per se, although our speakers, I mean, they were phenomenal and they were appointed by the Lord on who they were to bring, who, who we brought. But I feel like we can't give credit for what Jesus did. Like Jesus just did it. He did. It was phenomenal. I mean, from the opening welcome to everybody that came and kind of a step back thought about that leading up to the conference. Uh, it's something that is probably true of Northern California, but I, I noticed it's true of many different areas that sometimes there's a bit of a battle with people with, we'll just call it commitophobia, where it's like, I want to keep my options open until the last minute. And then, hey, if it works out and I see something open up, then, hey, I'll come do this thing. But I, I feel like revival flies in the face of leaving your options open. I think it actually comes down to when you get a spit of revival on you, there's really only one option and that's pedal to the metal, full throttle. I gave the analogy that if you're going to go on the Autobahn, which is that one stretch of, for lack of better words, a highway in Germany where there is no speed limit, you don't bring a Prius, you don't bring a Yaris, you don't bring a boat car if you're going to be out on the Autobahn. You're going to bring the car that you can open up and you're going to go pedal to the metal. And I feel like that's what this is and that's the type of people that came out. And so I think from the opening thing, just to your point, we saw people getting delivered. We saw people that worship. We had extended a worship uh, and I know for a fact it pushed thresholds. But one of the things that God is doing in this season, wouldn't you say, is bumping up people's thresholds. Absolutely. Expanding that place of where oh, I normally quit now, I normally fade back now, I normally sit down now, I normally transition now, but instead I'm going to go beyond. I, it, that's exactly right. And I think even my own capacity got stretched. My own, because I'm a, I'm a feeler. And the, for all the feelers in the room, you're like, I get you, Krista. And that is, I can feel the, the gauge of a room. And so we had moments where we didn't, we purposely did not put a time limit on our preachers and the speakers and the prophets that came in. We didn't put a limit on worship. We just felt like we're going to transition from worship to the word when we feel like the Lord's like, now's the time. Like we just wanted to break that routine. I, I'm bored with the routine. I just, I just want Jesus. And I think we were with a room of what, 600 people that felt the same as we did, you know? And I think there was just this desire of, come on, let's just throw out um, kind of those parameters and that, that pattern that we've created, which isn't bad, but I do feel like there's moments. And this was those moments where it was just like, I have to, I just have to encounter Jesus. Like I'm so desperate. I need a fresh touch. Like I cannot enter another year, 2023 and just continue on autopilot. Like I have to have a fresh encounter. So my capacity got stretched because I'm feeling in the room when, you know, uh, we had Tommy and I love it. He brought a word. He preached for over two hours. And most people would say statistically, certainly in the bank that people aren't going to stick around for that. Well, when the presence of God is in the room and the word of the Lord is coming forth, no one left. No one left. Nobody. 
everybody. Nobody left because they just wanted God. And I feel like, friends, that is where we're going in the church. It's like, come on, I understand there's natural time constraints of life, yes? But can we not apply those to our walk with Jesus? And I'm not saying have a long service for the sake of having a long service. I don't want to be there any longer than I need to be. If Jesus is not there, then I'm out, right? But I'm also refused to be in a hurry where God is present. I'm not going to be familiar with that or rush through it or just be clumsy with it. I'm going to steward that outpouring. And I think in momentum, it was like this beautiful space where people had the freedom to respond to God. We actually had the time to go in a place of worship and actually get to the destination that was designed for that time of worship and give space to the full word, not the Reader's Digest version, the consolidated, but the full measure of the word that was to be released. We just stayed in it. And I tell you what, we saw like territorial strongholds get broken because we made space for Jesus. I love that. And that making space is so true. And I was just thinking about it. You know, Marvel keeps us in the movie theater for two and a half hours, right? Nobody bounces from Beyonce's concert after 23 minutes or LeBron James and Steph Curry's game after 32 minutes. Everyone's going to stay there for what they prepared for and they want them to do encores. They want it to go over time. They want there to be an extra trailer. I'll even sit through all of your post credits, whoever the key grip person (laughs) is and whatever they do, because I know you're going to give me a post trailer. And I'm thinking that if the spirit of God can't keep us longer than some preset amount of minutes, then we really have to reevaluate who is our God and what is our utmost dedication, motivation, uh, commitment towards. And so I think we're in this season where God is going to be enlarging our borders. We read that passage, but what do we think that really means when God says, I'm going to enlarge your borders? I think we think it means God's going to enlarge my bank account. He's going to enlarge my social media follow. He's going to, we think all the good things, maybe God's trying to enlarge your capacity. Maybe God's trying to enlarge your passion, your heart, your allegiance. And so we have to look at this thing in such a way that does that. And I was thinking about another testimony I think is so powerful. And I know you've got some testimonies yeah, too. Yeah, no, I love it. Go a friend on. of mine is a pastor that actually pastors in the Bay Area. He was at this conference and he went back uh, to his church and he stood in front of his church. And obviously this happened at his church and this thing could be seen on uh, their, their media, their website as a church. He repented and wept before his congregation wow. that so many years ago that he felt like he made a decision uh, more out of expediency, out of a good heart. But in that decision, it left an aspect of the Holy Spirit behind. And he promised his church, I will never do it again. And they had overflow services, people packed the altar. And I wonder how many people right now, leaders are in position that they're kind of thinking, hey man, the, the, the group wouldn't want an extra long service. I got to give them and cater to a certain need of what I think they want or what I think the first time visitor walking through the door wants. And he does it and the power of God falls. And, it, and the funny part about it, that's exactly what momentum is all about. But I thought that was a phenomenal testimony that something that happened in a building on one side of town affected church the next day on the other side of the Bay Area. And, and you know what I loved about that, baby, is that just wrecks me because that changes the course of a church. And I feel like there were many pastors that got like lit up again because they were just able to receive and come and actually encounter the presence of God. Nothing was expected from them. They could just come. And then like you and I were talking earlier today and you were just mentioning like, and for those that are like new in their faith, like this is their first encounter and what a great precedent to set for them to go. This is actually like your, should be your normal, right? This, this level of presence of God and just, this is available to you. And it gave them a reference point of like, Hey, this is available and so much more. But when I heard that about a Bay Area pastor, and I know there's some other pastors across the nation that we got testimonies from that they shared testimonies on their congregation 
congregation, you know, on Sunday morning, because some of them only came on Thursday night and all day Friday, and then flew out Saturday morning so they could be back for their Sunday services. And they like had Holy Ghost blowout services simply from sharing what God had revealed to them, what God did in them. And it really comes back to that. This wasn't a conference. This was a life changing encounter. I'm, I still feel like my head is behind my heart and my spirit. I feel like my heart and my spirit are able to like be one quicker with what God did. And my brain is kind of still trying to process everything. And I find myself consistently like out of words and a hard time finding the words to articulate everything that happened. Very, very accurate. You know, I was thinking reference that one pastor. Here he is on the opposite side of the United States of America. He flies back. And as you said, he shares testimony. They have a four hour service over there. We had numerous people walk up to us and say, hey, I've never been at a conference like this before. Uh, Some people have said, hey, I was kind of burned out on conferences, to be honest with you. We saw people literally get ignited again for God that had kind of maybe taken a step away from their full pursuit of God. We saw those that are going for God all of a sudden get filled up in a way that's so unique. We had uh, just crazy things happen during worship. I can remember one point in worship, I was up on the platform getting ready to transition. I looked down, there's a there's a person getting full-blown delivered yeah. right there at the altar. And I thought so that awesome. was so fun. We had a, a full-blown Tommy laid hands on everyone in the building, full-blown Nigerian style. I mean, and there were people out in the power. There were people weeping, crying, shaking. There were, there were manifestations. You had to be in the room. Sometimes you could look at that and people, uh, we have a high value of that, but there are some people that do not, do not have a high value of that. But in the end of the day, really the shaking, the falling and everything, it's the way God touches you. But what, one thing that we're all after is the transformation that ensues. And you just hear the stories of people that just feel like, man, my faith feels new again. I feel a new fire in my heart. Man, I got encountered by the Holy Spirit. The Lord touched me and he just did a work in my heart. And those are the kind of things that were so amazing. And so we just also want to give you a couple of the highlights, you know, that we felt that was going on in the room as well. Yeah. One of my favorite moments, I have lots and I'm so excited to share them with you, but probably one of my top moments isn't what you would expect. It was actually when the room fell silent because the sovereignty of God came in the room. Like this crazy presence of God. It was so beautiful. It was so sovereign. The whole room, I mean, I felt God, the nearness, the love, the tangible presence of God. Like it was, obviously it was the glory of the Lord and it just felt like anything was possible, but we couldn't even speak because it was just so powerful and so sweet and deep and rich and it just felt sovereign. And so we, as you know, there's hundreds of people in the room and the room fell silent and I pastored for 13 years. So I'm going to be honest with y'all. I expected someone that did not get the moment and someone that is uncomfortable with silence and someone that feels like a silent moment is their opportunity to release tongues and get the interpretation. And it's like their moment to shine. And I just kind of braced myself like, ah, because it was such a holy sovereign moment, but I've just been in enough services and I've just had people interrupt those and they just feel the need. And it's not always bad, their motives, but it is what it is. So I just prepared myself that I was going to lovingly get up from my seat, go put my hand on their shoulder and be like, Hey, love your zeal. Like I always want, I never want to embarrass someone or humiliate someone, but I was just kind of planning, like it's probably going to require my leadership, right? My pastoral moment, my pastoral gifting in my life to go, okay, just, you know, let's be quiet. Two times has happened during momentum. And both times the whole room stayed in a holy hush. And the presence of God was like nothing else. I don't have a comparison. I have not experienced it on a corporate level like that. And it wrecked me because everyone in the room got it. Everyone in the room like recognized how beautiful, how deep, how present 
present that we were in the midst of God. Like he was literally in the room and it just, it undid me. And then over time, some like quite a bit of time passed and we we're literally quiet. Like no one said anything. No one moved. I mean, name a time that has happened, right? With a whole bunch of different people that do not know each other in a room. And then Matt Gilman just starts hitting these high keys and the glory of the Lord increased. It was apps. It was incredible. And I was on the platform at that point because I was supposed to transition. And I just was like, oh no, we're in this. Like we are, we're going in deep. And I just felt like it was that moment where we could have all tapped out and just stayed in like, well, that was good. And it was, it was actually more than good. It was phenomenal. It was, that was life-changing, but there was still more. And I kept hearing the Lord say, we are in a season 2023 and beyond. Here's a new normal where the best things come to those that linger. And I feel like we're in a lingering season. And the one of, one of the purposes, not all of it, but one of the purposes that I feel like God's doing this because we have made the badge of busyness such a badge of honor. Like the busy we are is like the more important we are. We've just, we've maxed out our calendars. We've maxed out our lives. And I just felt like God's like, come back to the simple place of actually just being in my presence and actually not being in a hurry and waiting in the presence until you feel actually released to come out of that. So as a congregate, as a, we weren't, a, we're not a congregation. So as a group of people, uh, we, we waited and we were there for maybe 45 more minutes, like quiet. And, and Matt just played instrumentally. No one sang, no one talked. It was just this holy, holy moment. And for me, it was so profound and life-changing. So true. You know, I, I, show that too. I think when we got still, that was very special. And I, I felt led in the beginning, I just talked about the time I've been to SeaWorld. Those of you that don't know, uh, I know there's a, a SeaWorld in Florida, but we also have one in California at San Diego. SeaWorld has this, I don't know if it's a, a great white or if it's kind of a large, I don't know what Shamu is, but Shamu is this big, I think like huge whale that's there. And when you step into the Shamu uh, aquatic area, they have these signs and the signs warn you. They say, if you sit in this particular area, you will get wet. So you can make up your mind. If you're going to sit close to the tank, Shamu's going to splash. You're going to get wet and people like it. They usually go in during the summer. California's warm. Or if you don't, you can sit in the back, which you're not going to get wet there. I felt like uh, every place people sat at Momentum was wet zone. And and there's many ways that I could run with that analogy. But one of the things I really loved was how many people shared that they, had, they hadn't cried for a while and that yeah. literally they cried every single service. Um, I did. Every single, yeah. me too. Oh, I mean, yeah. just weep. And I think there were several things that precipitated that. I think one, uh, we came under conviction. I mean, God began to deal with us about areas in our lives, idols in our lives, uh, areas where we got distracted, areas where, you know, strong strong terminology, we perhaps betrayed Jesus in a sense of our heart, our passions, our love. And then other times we wept because of the goodness of God. We felt his mercy. Other times we wept because we were seeing people get touched yeah. and, and the Lord uh, just brought this thing. And I just love just that area. I know as a guy, I think sometimes we can go a long time, not all men, but we can go a long time without really getting in touch with our emotions, particularly as it relates to spiritual things. And just to see that many people weeping, you could literally hear the sobs of people. And, and I, I can only imagine what revival would sound like. We, we talk about what does revival look like? And maybe part of the question is what, you close your eyes, what does revival sound like? And I think there are times when it's still, it's soft because God's dealing with something. And there are times when you'll hear the audible cries of people. I think revival has a soundtrack. And I, and I feel like what we're talking about in this area of, of our testimonies and things that stood out is just that soundtrack of, of that. And that was just so glorious. You, you you realize that, man, people came from all around, made great sacrifice to come there. And that, that was just one of the highlights as well. And another phenomenal highlight
might uh, happen with an unexpected gift that came to us. You, you just share that. Oh my goodness. This one undid Sean and I. So Tommy and Emma, I feel like the Lord really brought them in to deal with territorial stuff. And Emma said it really well. She talked about how, you know, she was there to help show blind spots. And I think that that's really the role as a prophet. And I think being a prophetic person myself, uh, Sean and I, we can relate to that, that the Lord will often bring us to a region and we'll pull out blind spots or whatnot. But you know, this is our region. So it was really cool to have people from outside come to our space where we're often doing that in other spaces, but someone's now doing it in our space. And, you know, they talked about the spirit of mammon and Tommy just went after this whole spirit of mammon. And really, I felt the kindness and the mercy of the Lord because he went after territorial stuff because we're believing for a move of God. And I, in fact, believe a move of God got birth and momentum for real, for real. Yeah, yeah. In the Bay Area, like uh, we, I don't even know if we're doing justice (laughs) to communicate everything that literally got absolutely poured out. But I felt like it was the kindness of God to put things in order, right? But some things had to be dislodged and literally exposed and removed, repented of. And a spirit of mammon is one of them. If we're going to have a revival, we cannot have any other idol before the Lord. God himself is the only thing that can be first and there is no other. And I felt like spirit, the mammon and that, that finding comfort and security in money has been such a stronghold here. So Tommy goes after that. Well, you and I are like, wow, this is like, we're getting rocked and everyone in the room is getting rocked and we're getting dealt with on a personal level and everyone is, and you're getting dealt with because you can feel it in the land. And there's like, it's, it's uprooting some territorial stuff. It's like talking about the sacred cow in the room, right? But it's on the altar of the Lord. So put it there, Jesus, right? So all of a sudden at the very end of the message, Tommy totally takes it in an unforeseen direction and then starts talking about Sean and I's ministry and how it's an opportunity to sow into revival and a move of God through our ministry because we really feel like that's the mandate we carry in the season. Although we travel elsewhere, we actually feel like God is shifting us to really like contend for revival here in the Bay. And he gave everyone opportunity. And you guys, people started just coming forward and giving like emptying their pockets. Like it was unbelievable. And I just didn't expect that. I just was absolutely stunned because I knew he was going after a strong uh, territorial stronghold. But what we didn't know was he was going to have people do an act of breaking it by partnering with us financially and sewing into us financially. And I just didn't expect it. And I broke. I just was like, I was standing there because what people don't know, but our team knows is because we swung for the fences like the Lord instructed us to do, which was amazing. But there was a big bill and registration only covered part of it. There was still a mass, not a massive, but there was a significant gap financially that was not paid for. And that Sean and I were just going to use our finances to cover it. And we were fine with that. We had already talked about it. We're like, if we have to sow like 15, 20,000 into revival in the Bay, if that's what it takes, then so be it God. Because we just thought, well, our finances are God's anyway. And we've given ourselves to this. Like there is no plan B. Like we're going for revival. We're going to see a change in the Bay when everyone bounced in COVID, but a few of us, there's a remnant here. Come on. But we didn't. And we we stayed here because the Lord promised us a move of God. And so we're like, whatever it takes for that to happen. And that includes, of course, our finances. So we had already reconciled that going into the conference because we're like, if we don't have the numbers, we don't know because we knew there'd be a lot of day ofs. We knew there'd be a lot of couple days, but we're talking like a week out, like one week out from momentum. We were like 15 to 20,000 short. And we were just like, that's fine. We've been obedient. We can be confident in that. God, we just want you to move. So when that happened, we were just so stunned because we saw the extravagance of response of everyone. And we just 
just stood in awe. And then Tommy has us close out the service. Well, I'm undone. So if you've been on social media and you see a picture of Sean and I on our knees and we're crying, that's what we're crying about. We're crying because God just met us. And it's one of the craziest moments because I literally was standing in the middle of a miracle. And I, I loved it because our team got just as rocked as Sean and I, because they were in the meetings. Like they saw the registration, they saw the budget, they saw the bills coming in, they saw like the lack. And yet we just kept saying, God's going to do it. Like we don't know how, but God's going to do it. Like God told us to do this and he pays his bills. And so God, he's a good father. And so we don't know how it's going to happen, but we're just going to continue to be generous because even in those moments, we had to make decisions on like what we're going to give certain people or what we're going to sow to certain things of momentum. And we kept having that choice of, are we going to be stingy? Or are we going to kind of do partial generosity? Or are we going to do like full generosity? And we kept choosing full generosity. We're like, nope, just give them, like give them the best. Nope. We're not going to, we're not going to be cheap. We're not going to cut corners. We're just, we're going to take care of people. We're going to bless people. We're going to, even if it's coming out of our finances, like we're going to just operate from a place of generosity and honor. And then God turned around and did it to us. Like I just, I'm still in awe. I don't know if that one has fully sunk in for me. Like I just, I don't know. I, you got to, you got to share kind of your perspective, baby. But that one, like I went to bed crying that night and I woke up the next morning crying because I just like, I literally lived a miracle. Like I just saw it. And then what it represented, mm-hmm. it was actually so much more than money. It was like what it broke. It's like the territorial stronghold of mammon literally felt like it broke. You know, Tommy referred to the fact of the scripture we're very familiar with that where your treasure is, so is your heart. But what you were saying right at the end, one of the things Tommy did is he took a $20 bill, which I thought it was a 10. I didn't even know it was a 20. So no, no one is a 20. That was even more so. He ripped it and he just paused there. And you could hear like an audible gasp from people. And he says, that was your response to me ripping a $20 bill and it isn't even your treasure. Ooh. And he was just kind of speaking of the fact that money has such a hook in us. And anybody that knows our area, the Silicon Valley, but I would say this is true no matter where you're at, no matter where you're listening, true. money so drives and has such a hook. And I really think that in order to get into God's economy, they're saying, perhaps I know in our area, there's, there's a pretty significant layoffs taking place, the things that are happening all around us. It's so easy for us to think that as NASDAQ goes down, so does God's economy. But that is not the case. God's economy is not the NASDAQ. And God's economy works on a whole different principle. And so Tommy kind of highlighted that before there's an outpouring, there must first be an inpouring. In other words, we invest and pour into God by prayers, by service, by obedience, by our resources. And as we pour into God, oftentimes we see that level of outpouring out. I shared a message on the three kings that are in the middle of a drought and God called them to dig ditches through the prophet. And that's crazy. Like if you're going to fight a battle and you're in the middle of, let's say, a extremely hot place, let's say Death Valley, Sahara Desert, last thing you think you're going to do is invest your energy in digging holes when you need to conserve it for fighting down the road. But had they not dug the holes, what happened is water came and each of those major holes became wells that they wouldn't have had had they not dug the, the holes or they dig the ditches, the water would have immediately evaporated. And I feel like that's our challenge. We can invest in what we logically think is going to get us through a wilderness season, or we can invest and do what God's calling us to do. And the amount of, of, of just resources people gave, it more, as you said, than met our budget. And at the same time, even our pastor mentioned to us, I felt like no doubt he blessed you. And I was glad he 
was saying to us, I was glad that it blessed you and Krista, but I can't help but feeling like something broke over the Bay Area in the area of Mammon. And you got to know, in revival, God is going after that. And how much does money have a hook in you? How much does the security of your bank account, your checking account, your investments, how much do you go up and down based on that as opposed to understanding that my father is a good father, you know, and that, that he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, not your riches and glory. So the aspect is, is where are you laying your treasure? And, and Tommy just really brought a great word on that and went after territorial spirits. And then uh, Emma Stark, she went after a territorial spirit. I know in her first session, one of the things I was thinking about, because we just want to talk to you, people 100 tribe about just some of the takeaways as some things that maybe you weren't able to go, but we think these could bless you as you implement these in your life. And I think one of the highlights from Emma, uh, and I'm sure you have some too, boo, was that she, she challenged us and said, you know, Bay Area or California, your heart is dead. Now, let me describe what she means. At least this is how it landed for me. You know, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And kind of what she was saying is that you come kind of to church or you come to God with muted tones. It's like we're afraid to just allow that blind Bartimaeus cry to come out of us. We're afraid to let that Syrophoenician woman's desperation come out of us. We'll do it at the sports games. We'll do it, you know, at the kids' soccer games or whatever that they're doing. But then we come to church and we're kind of quiet in worship. We're kind of quiet, you know, in terms of when the word is being being preached, how we could get with the minister. And all of a sudden we leave church and we're loud again. We're loud in the car. We're loud wherever we're at. And she just challenged us to, to it, for all intents and purposes, break the wrap on that deadness of heart of not bringing our emotions to church. And that, that phraseology, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I just felt the challenge that, man, we need to be a people that just fully open up our hearts and give God our emotions, give God our shouts, give God our amens, give God our passion. And obviously it's more than just verbal response, but the verbal response becomes a reflection of the heart investment. I tell you what, you know, talking about kind of what each person brought for me, um, just kind of in connection with the Emma word, you know, I think this was her second session. So this would have been Saturday morning. She talked about the revelation of being one with Christ and really what it is to walk in the full senses of God. And the word, the word and the way she brought it was really provoking and provocative, actually. Yes. She took us through a sexuality through that. She took that roadmap to really talk about what it is to actually walk in oneness because many people in their sexuality have only experienced darkness um, element to it, but actually it was always intended to be an expression of light. And so it's this really beautiful journey she took us on. And I really encourage you to listen to that word because at first you're kind of going, where where are we going? Where are we going? And it is genuinely profound, but she ends with this thought and she kept talking about the power of the merging where we have to be fully one with Christ, that there cannot be anything between us and the Lord. And that oneness can only happen through the revelation of his light within us, but the oneness of Christ that we're called to walk in. And there was this real moment in there where I felt like my my senses, my spiritual senses, my eyes, my ability to sense, my awareness, my sensitivity to Holy Spirit just clicked on in a different way. And, you know, I felt like I was clicked on before I went in there, you know, but at the same time, there's always more. And I felt provoked during momentum for the more. I felt like I was being modeled of what's available 
available. And I think sometimes we can think I'm walking with God. I'm good. I'm serving him. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But I want so much more. I want to experience God because we're created to be spiritual people. And in being spiritual people, there's a spiritual realm that we have access to that I can actually step into uh, the kingdom of God and pull those things from heaven onto earth because of the access I have as a daughter. And she really broke that down. That for me was super profound. You know, she she jokingly said that she talked about her and her husband merging. And obviously everybody's thinking, oh, you know, and she says, hey, I'm not just talking about that bed of intimacy. She says, I'll grab my husband in the supermarket and hold him tight and go merge, 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 merge. She has a Scottish Irish accent. And so it was amazing. And so the whole thing is that as believers, we're merged with Holy Spirit. And she talked even about that place of walking in the spirit, of seeing in the spirit, sensing in the spirit, but just called us to a deeper place of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, which I love in so many different ways. And I, I think she hit that so well. But when I when I thought about that, I thought, wow, you know, there, there's another place of intimacy with the Holy Spirit, of communing with Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it. And she talked about even coming from a background, the way she grew up, that it was kind of God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Scriptures. But obviously it needs to be God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit. And so she really just talked to us about it. And, and obviously if you're listening, that she in no way was trying to devalue the Word, but the whole aspect is the Word points us to deeper relationship. Bible even says that the letter of the law killeth, but the Spirit, that's King James, y'all, killeth, but the Spirit mm-hmm. gives life. So there was such a challenge in, in it. She was funny, she was humorous, yeah. but just caught. And I think God just awakened to us. There's a deeper place than where you're at. And I think yeah. it's a glorious discovery for you to think you were deep and look over on the side of the pool and it just says four feet, right? You think you're deep, <laughs> but it's like, then you look on the other side of the pool like, wait, they, they got 20, 20 feet depth over there. And I've been thinking I'm deep just because, you know, depending on your height, you got to hop a little bit to make sure your, your mouth stays above the water. But God wants to take you like Ezekiel to a deep place in the spirit. So she really called us to that place. And then I want to talk about, because I could do it, my takeaway from your session, Boo, Aww. you talked about the wild ones and you prophesied about this new breed of the spirit of Elijah. Obviously, Elijah uh, was in Kings uh, in the Bible. And then we see that spirit on John the Baptist around Matthew 10 or someplace around there. But then the end of Malachi into the Old Testament canon points to the fact that the spirit of Elijah would come in the context is on a, on a generation. I love your point that first it was a man, Elijah, then it was a spirit upon the man, John the Baptist. But the third appearance will be this uh, spirit of Elijah on a generation. She called out the wild ones. And it was like, as you did it, you just gave us permission to, to not come underneath conformity, not come underneath kind of a compromise. You just gave permission for people who were out there to say, yeah, the world wants to make you the outlier, but from the kingdom, you're, 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 you're on the kingdom course of being what kingdom would say is the normal. And so I just love that because you could just see people just shouting you down, getting with you. The altar response was phenomenal. And throughout the conference that was referred to by perhaps more speakers than any other message about the wild ones, about the spirit of Elijah. And, and I, I just declare people that are listening, spirit of Elijah is about to hit a generation. I That's believe it's right. already begun. And so they're going to be wild. You 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 think like they're wild in the area of sin. Just wait till they get born again. They meet the the, the lover of their soul. They get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. They get delivered from whatever bondages. Let me tell you what, it will awaken a wildness in the spirit. And religious types weren't comfortable with John the Baptist, but at the same time, Jesus said, this is necessary to make straight the way of the Lord, make a rough place, mm-hmm. move, cook a place straight. I got to bring this wild one, John the Baptist, to get you ready for my initial 
initial coming. So imagine what it's going to look like before Jesus' second coming. Ooh baby thank you baby that's so that's so kind i i tell you i just i loved your work because i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about yours too and i know i'll let you talk about sammy's sammy's yes. so good too but you know what i loved about yours and our senior pastor said as much i think actually my parents said as much i think all of us felt like your word was that the anchor word because it brought such an anchoring in the word of god and you brought us to this place of reminding us for those specifically in the state of california i loved you did us you took us through some revival history to remind us of like what's happened in our land but we can't can't be satisfied with the days of yesterday. We have to be pursuing like a new move of God for today, which called us to a place of desperation. And I feel like your whole message was this place of going, if you're not desperate, you won't go for the more. And it's going to cost you your comfort zone. It's going to cost you this, that, or the other. But the desperation for God has to be there if we really want to see a move of God. And the people respond. There was a desperation in the room just saying, Jesus, like we, we recognize, like we tried to do it our own way, but we haven't seen what we want to see. We haven't seen the breakthrough. We haven't seen the revival. We haven't seen the people that that we know and love get saved. It's like we haven't seen those those breakthrough moments, but I just felt like you led us so well into this place of like what I released and what Emma released, especially like first session, second session, you were the third session. It brought so much anchoring to what Emma and I were saying of like, yes, all of that, but that doesn't happen without a holy desperation. And I feel like that really is a message that's kind of this ongoing message of like God's bringing a holy dissatisfaction back to the church where we're kind of dissatisfied with conferences, although conferences are good, but we're just so desperate for a move of God. Like we cannot just be satisfied with a nice service. And I feel like you called us back to that place and the people respond. It's like every session there was breakthrough. Every session there was like a deepening of our hunger and it was removing layers because in your session, I felt like we had to lay some things down to make room for desperation. So it was really that call of consecration that you led us to that I felt like was a tipping point for the rest rest of our gathering and momentum. You know, I said this to our listeners and I feel like this is something that I was just reminded of as Krista was saying, and thank you for saying that, Boo, is that I, I just kind of looked at when Jesus walked this planet, what houses did he go to? Because isn't that what revival is? We're asking God to come to our house. And you know, whether it was Mary and Martha, obviously, you know, whether it's Jairus came for Jairus' daughter, but I focus on Zacchaeus. Here's this dude that was collecting money from his own people and turning it over to the Romans. Yet he's a, the Bible says he, he wasn't very tall. So he got up in a tree when Jesus went by, Jesus pointed at him. He said, today, Jairus, I go to your house. And I thought it wasn't just as Jairus was desperate, but he was willing to put desperation on display. And I just feel like there's some people right now that maybe, hey, you've had a quiet desperation, but God is saying, it's time for you to put your desperation on display. And that kind of desperation, God always answers the cry of the desperate. You know, when the Bible says, asking to be given, seeking you should find, knocking the door be open. I believe those are levels of desperation. You know, you can ask on one hand, hey, okay, cool, I'm asking. I seek, you know, now my desperation has got me to the point where I'm not just asking, I'm beginning to move towards it. But knock is that undeniable. I'm standing at the door. I'm pounding on the door, God. This thing I must have, I will not live without it. And I really feel like that's so profound. And then for the record, y'all, Saturday, we we went from 10 in the morning. We had a tiny oh, yeah. little condensed, shortened lunch break. Like we went from hour. 10 in the morning to nine something at night. We went straight. And that's because we started the evening session Saturday at six yeah. o'clock. People did not 
not leave. It was like 10 to 10, for real, for real. Right. People did not leave. They did. For one hour, they left in the morning. Yes. Like, that's it. One yes. hour. That's it. Who does that? Like, skip meals. But seriously, folks, people skip meals to not miss something that Jesus, I was reminded, hey, the whole uh, multiplication of fish and loaves is all those people listen to Jesus. They skip meals where Jesus finally said, we got to feed them. And I think we saw that happen. That was just so amazing. Oh, it was incredible. And, you know, we just kind of look back of who the Lord directed us to invite. And we invited Daedra. And boy, she was such an incredible fit because she just broke it open session one and two and three. I mean, she just like came in there and she just bulldozed down um, kind of just that, that just the hesitancy to engage in worship and fully participate. And just like she started declaring who God is. She started sharing her testimony of how she was healed from thyroid cancer and just like who our God is and how he deserves worship. And it broke it open and the altars got full and it was just, it was powerful. Oh, it was so powerful. I'm reminded because we do a little bit of martial arts, but I was reminded Mike Tyson had this incredible short left hook. Anybody that's ever watched Mike Tyson or is a fan of boxing, you know, that left hook knocked down many a wannabe contenders and it was short, it was compact. It was like Daedra just gave this left hook to darkness and her ability to just praise, to break through. I know at that first session we began, people didn't know. A couple people came to the altar up front to uh, praise God and dance and lift their hands. And man, by the time she got up the next time and the altars were packed, people were jumping up and down. I even jumped up on the platform and started, you know, I thought I was on the worship team. Evidently, man, <laughs> I was jumping up and down praising God, but it was just so profound. Oh my. And I think she actually even took it in the air, even in worship about just God's healing people. And I mm-hmm. love that. We later had, I think it was after my session, we prayed for the sick as well in mass, but that was so powerful what she began, what she brought. And then my goodness, she, she began the first part of the conference and then Matt Gilman, oh my. his wife Kelly, they just took us to the high praise. Oh, man. He brought in a decade of being at IHOP, International House of Worship, leading prayer and those stadium events. And it was just so profound. As you mentioned earlier, just that quietness, that stillness, those high keys. Oh, it was, I mean, he really ushered us into the glory. There was some space of intimacy, but it had been created by everything that had been kind of torn up and then in, in a great way, right? We I felt like we got bulldozed in the spirit in the best sense of that by what got broke open and people's repentance and crying out for the more God. Matt comes in, takes us to this place of intimacy. And it was like, we were just undone. Like I said, I don't, everyone kept saying, I can't stop crying. I can't stop crying. I think we were just in the tangible presence of God and we couldn't help but respond by crying and weeping. And it was just, it was such a cleansing time. It was just so cleansing. And then Tommy came in and just wrecked us. I mean, he talked about how God knows us. I mean, Sean shared this earlier and it was just so profound. And it was so, it was really life-changing revelation of like what he brought, but it felt like it awakened us of our identity in Christ. Yes, no doubt about it. And I think him being a voice, uh, it's basically international. Uh, he's, He's Nigerian by birth, but he was raised in the UK and now back in Nigeria, but just all those different places he's been and just coming and calling us higher from just kind of our North American lens of Christianity. And I just love, like you said, that identity thing. And then our good friend, Dr. Samuel Rodriguez, he came in at the end, not being at any of the earlier sessions. And then he comes in and he talks about Jezebel's tweet, which was so creative. He put up like this, actually what you would see if you were, if you're on Twitter, you know, kind of Jezebel, her, her handle name was Jezzy. She had the blue <laughs> 
certification. <laughs> so funny. She said in 24 hours, Elijah, you'll die. And he talked about the spirit of Elijah, not knowing that you started off the conference talking about a spirit of Elijah and how many reference it. Uh, and Tommy talked about a spirit of Elijah. Yes, he did. And he prophesied that he wouldn't be surprised if Dr. Samuel talked about the spirit of Elijah. And I just love the truth he brought, the fire he brought, the perspective he brought. But it was interesting because basically he says what God has started, uh, no man and devil can put it into. In other words, if God started it, the devil can't stop it. That was his mm. byline. And it was so powerful because Jezebel put out the threat that Elijah, in 24 hours, you're going to die. Not only was she wrong in 24 hours, but Dr. Sam just brought out, I don't know why I never saw this, Elijah never died in the sense that we would say a fiery chariot came and separated him from his protege, and he was caught up to heaven. And then we see him again on the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament. So Jezebel, what God has started, no man is going to put it into, and actually even just points to the fact that the spirit of Elijah is alive and well, ready to be poured on a generation. It was so profound. And he, he prophesied, did minister over people, but we were all at the altar, just ready to release the momentum from the places we came from. Oh, I mean, it's it really is hard to articulate and to really come to that place where we feel like we're doing it justice because there's just so much, so much God did. So, you know, we just want to take time and share with you because we really believe that as we share testimonies, it's going to actually spark something in you. So our hope and our prayer is that as we share these testimonies, it actually awakens a desperation in you, a fresh hunger for the more of God, and that it actually puts a spark in you that you're just like, I was created to burn for God. And so we just want to encourage you, like, just, you know, we pray that this just pushes you into a deeper pursuit of the more of God, because friends, there is so much more available. Uh, we're really excited uh, to let you know as well that the Momentum Gathering is going to be available for download, hopefully this week. That's our goal. Uh, we'll be promoting on social media, It'll be available at shawnachristasmith.com. Uh, we just encourage you watch it. We we had so many people that watched online that texted us and were like, we've watched a lot of stuff online. Hello, 2020. Hello, COVID. We've all watched our, our fair share of Zoom and live stream. And they said, we've never experienced an impartation like we did watching this. So we do want you to know there really is an impartation. There really is a portion and it's not too late to receive that. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, we're so excited about our new format. Always want to tell you, Keep It 100 Tribe, you be on the lookout for our next episode. We're going to come on some fresh topic. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it 100.